Okay, I want to start maybe in a darker place, but I'm going to take it to a warmer place after that. Um, August 4th, 11, no, uh, yeah, 11 a.m., Maui saw its first fire. It's just outside of the airport. For any of you who've been to Maui, you know their airport, just outside of there. It was, it was like a 30-hectare fire, which is like 350 meters by 350 meters. Not a big fire, just a little one. By later on that afternoon, I think it was early evening, the fire department said they had it 90% contained. I'm not sure if that means they put out 90% of the fire or if they're 90% sure that they can put out the fire. I don't know, but it's good. Can you imagine just if you were living there? You hear the fires out and you're going to bed and you're going, oh, thank goodness. You know, the whole day has been like, what's going to happen? Where's it going to go? That night they slept, relaxed. Now, you think fires in Maui, that doesn't really make sense. It's a jungle, right? Lush, green. And yes, it is. What you probably don't know is those islands were in a, what they called a severe drought. Wind, lack of moisture. Not only that, Hurricane Dora was sitting about 100 miles off the shoreline, creating windstorms. Three days later, there was a wildfire warning in a neighboring island. In Maui, they had wind gusts up to 130 kilometers an hour. Like, that's a windstorm. That's like a windstorm that we don't understand. The wind was so strong that it blew power lines over. And by the next day, just before 7 o'clock in the morning, they had another fire. This one was right outside of a school. Now, luckily, it was very early, just before 7. They evacuated the school immediately. And by later that morning, they had it under control. But you can feel the emotional roller coaster, right? But the fire was out, and they had 130-kilometer-an-hour winds. So by 3.30 that day, the fire sprang up. And then like a furnace where you blow air into a fire to make it hotter, the, the fire just outside of Lahaina had this 130-kilometer-an-hour wind blowing on it, and it created a fire that we have not seen in a very long time. Houses would burn in minutes. I've been through a house fire. I sat on my neighbor's lawn watching my house burn. It takes a lot longer than minutes. The fire was so hot, in minutes their houses were gone. Cars melted. In four hours, the entire town of Lahaina was gone, except for some random house and one car. The one car is actually my buddy's. He used to come to Friend Church. He moved to Hawaii, based in Lahaina, had five businesses. They all burnt to the ground. When I was researching this story last week, I was reading all about Maui and all these horrible fires, and I was like, there's something in it. Even as I was talking to people, people keep telling me stories. When I was a kid, I went to Lahaina. You know, Me and my mom had this amazing trip there, and it's so beautiful there. For me, again, Bible nerd, there's a famous artist named Albert Durer who does woodcuts, and he does them about Bible stories. 
And there's two original Albrecht uh, Durer woodcut prints at a gallery in Maui, in Lahaina. I'd go there every time. I'd ditch all my buddies, be like, oh, hey, yeah, I'll catch you later. And then I'd go sit in this gallery and just look at these pieces. Stunning, stunning pieces. And I don't know why, but some, for some reason, knowing that those are gone, it kind of made it, yeah. As I'm researching this story, I'm researching Maui. I'm getting pictures from friends. Some members of our community have a place in Kelowna. This is from their bedroom. Can you show me the Kelowna one? That's from their bedroom in their place across the lake. Northwest Territories, evacuation. Is the entire world on fire? And it's not just the fires, it's, it's everything. We had a, a, someone in our, in our family who lives in Brooks. My wife has a very extended, extended family. I'm not exactly sure how we're related, but some cousin-y thing person. We don't call it a family tree, we call it a family hedge. So one of the hedge members was, uh, they worked at a seeding factory where they do, put seed together for farmers. They went in on a Saturday to get caught up. Eight hours later, they're in the hospital, missing an arm. Just... Our spiritual ancestors called this chaos. It's the things that come out of nowhere. It's the, you know, one day another friend went in with a pulled muscle, went to the hospital, came out with major cancer surgery. Chaos. Out of nowhere. Can't control it. Nothing. People tell me stories all the time. I walked into my, my job the other day for a routine meeting with my boss. Fired. What? I, I have fam. People getting sick. Like it's just, the, all this stuff makes me just realize it's kind of like we're just dust in the wind. Compared to nature, like we, we flew a helicopter to Mars and flew the helicopter around Mars. So we know so much, we're so capable and yet acts of nature, acts of God, like it's like toy soldiers. Our spiritual ancestors, like us, were frightened of this chaos. The things that would happen out of nowhere, the things that they couldn't control, the things that decimated their lives, you know, plagues, uh, tornadoes, lightning storms, you name it. It's chaos. They used a different metaphor. They used the, the, the metaphor of deep water. If you know, there's, there's a bunch of creation stories in the Bible, different versions from different groups. The earliest one starts with this word, Bereshit. In the beginning, the Spirit of God, is how they say it, was floating over the deep water. It's not creation, uh, the technical term is ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. It's the Spirit of God was over chaos, wildfires, tornadoes, earthquakes, you know, all the horrible stuff. The Spirit of God is over that. And the Spirit said, let's create order to the chaos. 
The story isn't really a creation story in the formal sense of the word. It's a story of chaos and a being that can overcome chaos. That kind of feels not bad, right? If there's, a, if there's a super being up in the sky and they could control all this, that, I, you know, I could get behind that. That would feel quite nice to me. Now, the problem is, these are what they call founding myths. The technical term is etiologies. And it was supposed to be that, that this, this creative entity created order in the world and now chaos would be under control, but chaos is still happening. There's a story a little later on. Again, it's not, it's not designed to be temporal, I don't think. It's called the flood narrative. The story goes that the world's gone to hell in a handbasket. Everything is bad. And the God character that they conceive of, and this is all their conception of God, their, their conception of God says God was so upset by what the world had become that he brought water back in. And so their conception is God sends chaos. Now, on the one hand, I find that deeply disturbing. On the other hand, I understand if there's an entity that has more power than chaos, maybe we would have some control. Maybe if we do the right sacrifices, maybe if, we're, if we behave properly, maybe if we do the right things, then maybe that conception of God will keep chaos from us, will save us. And suddenly, you can understand where some of these things come from. Sacrifice of children, you're going, well, if I give up my child, which I love deeply, but I save all of humanity because I could make that conception of God happy. All of this is our spiritual ancestors trying to wrestle with, there's chaos, and I don't like it. Their conception was God sends chaos, so figure out how to not make God angry. Now, that lasted for quite a few thousand years. At about 100 years before Jesus' time, things started to change. It's church era, so this probably happened over hundreds of years because nothing changes quick in the church. But they started to have this new conception. They're like, well, God sending chaos gave us a sense of control but now God is responsible for all the chaos. And that doesn't feel great, does it? Now, some of you, you've reconciled that. Beautiful, love it. I've never been able to do it. So I can understand how someone would go to this and be like, okay, so they had this new conception. There's, there's this character God, this conception of God, but God and chaos are not together. Chaos is over here. So we have God, all the good things, and we have chaos, the devil, bad things. And they conceived of this battle royale in the, what they called the spiritual realm. The forces of good against the forces of evil. If you grew up in the church, you know some of this language. Some, depending on your church, it might have been very obvious. Some of it's just kind of hinted at. But there's this idea that the forces of good and the forces of evil are at play all around us. And we're kind of getting the, the after effects of the war. But here's the problem. And no, it's not the problem. Here's the solution to this conception of God. Because it says, 
the forces of good in God against the forces of chaos. But for whatever reason, God and the forces of good are kind of a little MIA. And that's why we get chaos. But there's going to be a time. The technical word for this is apocalypse. Our common sense of the word apocalypse is always to bad. This is a different, this is an older way of sounding. It's a massive change. And the apocalypse is going to create something good, not post-apocalyptic bad, dystopian. No, good. There's going to be a moment when the forces of evil kind of like wake up and kick ass. And chaos is going to be destroyed and it's going to be like kicked down and we're going to live in utopia. We're going to be back to Eden. I can understand like, oh man, that's wicked. And their conception was that the Jesus event was the beginning of this. Remember, chaos, death, Jesus dies and then what the story says, he rises again. Now, often we have a very strong theology about it, but look at through this conception. He dies, but then he beats death. He beats chaos. Finally, good's going to take over. Chaos is done. Can you see people like dancing in the streets? Like, woo, finally. Until someone gets a bad cancer diagnosis and they're like, wait a second. Someone dies and they're going, whoa, 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 whoa. Chaos didn't, what, what? Some churches use this phrase, already not yet. The apocalypse has happened, but it's not yet fully realized. Jesus thought it was going to happen in the life of his students. Didn't happen. For 2,000 years, some people are still waiting for it to happen. Death has been overcome, but, but now there's, wait, why is chaos still around? And in fact, the, the, the earliest, or one of the earliest books in the Bible is a book called John. I did like my entire master's program on the first two verses of John. But John is this really weird book because we have this moment where Jesus overcomes death and so chaos should, be, should have been overcome. And then the Romans came in and wiped everything out. Like chaos times a hundred. They destroyed the temple. They destroyed everything. And so now these people are sitting there looking at this going, the apocalypse happened. It was, there's actually a story in Jesus to, to kind of put a point on this. This shows kind of how the evolution is. Do you remember Jesus sends chaos? It's a story where Jesus and his disciples run into a person who was born blind so they've been blind their whole life. And this is the line. Can you throw it up for me? This is the line that they ask him. They said, teacher, Jesus, who sinned this man or his parents? If I can put it in a colloquial, who pissed off God? The blindness was sent by God. And Jesus is saying, okay, 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 but that's over. Now the apocalypse has happened, so we're going to have no more blindness, but we still have blindness. And so John has a new conception of God where we, God sends chaos, then God's overcome chaos. And John says, well, wait a second. What if we conceive of God in a new way? Not as a being up in the sky, 
but as something in and through all of us. He says, when we love, God is. We no longer ask the question, why does chaos happen? We no longer have this kind of spiritual view of like the battle royale of good and evil in the world and who's winning and well, the Maui fires say chaos is winning, but yeah. They conceived of God in a new way. They said, what if when we love each other after all of this, chaos happens and we step in and we go, how do I take care of you? How do I love you? Because remember, everything had been destroyed for them. And so the conception of God had to morph and change. Now you're probably asking, Vince, why are you giving us history lessons on conceptions of God? And I'll tell you why. Most of the people in our community probably have some touch with traditional religion. And depending on what you grew up with, there is an answer for this. Sorry, someone told me a story earlier today. She just smiled at me, and I'm, the story's in my head now. And it was the story of her stage two spirituality telling her what the answer is. But for whatever reason, chances are, if you're here at Friend Church, if you're listening to my voice, if you're part of the you know, tens of thousands of people who podcast us, something about that doesn't fit. Something about the tradition that said, we have all the answers, and this is the answer, just doesn't fit. So you've gone into what we call stage three. You started to deconstruct this edifice, this systematic theology, this way of conceiving everything. Now, we used to describe it this way. Imagine your spiritual tradition is this kind of amusement park. Lovely, but kind of starting to fall apart a little bit. And you just don't feel like you fit anymore. And so you're standing on the edge of your faith, looking over the edge of a cliff. And you're looking back and you're going, well, I can't do that anymore. But that's all I know. And people just jump. I'm an atheist. I'm done. Screw this. And I tell you this, conceptions of God, to tell you that there's a ledge down there. And we're all having a big party on that ledge. And we're looking up at the people who are going, well, if I can't believe what I grew up with, if I can't believe that conception of God, my only option is to just ditch the whole thing. And I'm trying to say, no, no. There's other ways to conceive of the divine. Your option isn't only atheism. I read a lot of atheists, love atheist philosophy. And their, their answer is always, but your conception of God is crap, and here's why. And I'm going, okay, yeah, I agree. That's a great critique, but what about these ones? And what about these ones? And what about these ones? There's a ledge down there with all of us with different conceptions of God having a party. You don't need to jump off. When you see a Maui fire and you're going, okay, conception of God, what? Like, why are you letting this happen? To the point where you go, screw this. 
I'm trying to say, what if you today, what if the Maui fires, the, the Kelowna fires, the, all this stuff that's going on, the, the sickness, the illness, the deaths, all of this stuff, what if it's calling you to ask a different question? What if it's calling you to say, what if your conception of God needs to evolve? Needs to move? I showed you three different ones, right? God sends chaos. Spiritual warfare, good and bad. Chaos is winning, but at some point we're hoping that. And then this conception of when we love. Is one of those fit better for you? Now, some of you, you've been around for a while, and so someone described it this way. I had this whole box full of stuff I believed growing up, I've gone through it and picked through it and thrown out stuff I don't like and this hasn't worked for me and it was damaging to me and now I look in the box and it's basically empty. It's like, <laughs> I used to have this vibrant spirituality and now I got nothing. To you, I told this story for a different reason. Because there's, it's not the answer. There's an answer. Over here, that our spiritual ancestors came to that says, what if you, what if you would love the people around you? What if the absence of the divine you're feeling right now is because you're not in the game? Now, it's not saying this is the right answer. This is an answer. There's a a famous story. uh, It's contemporary just after, kind of when John was written. So it's right around Jesus. There's a guy who comes to two teachers like Jesus and says, like, Summarize the entire view of your religion while standing on one leg. The first rabbi slaps him. <laughs> Stupid question, get lost. And the second rabbi, his name's Hillel, he says this. Can you throw it up for me? He says, that which is hateful to you, do not unto another. This is the whole thing. The rest is Commentary the entire rest of the Bible is commentary on love. Could it be that as you look into that box of your spirituality that looks so empty, maybe it's time to be love and to find that spiritual connection, to find the divine through what you can do after chaos, through chaos. Now some of you, you've come all the way through your deconstruction. Some of you actually, I don't want to put your hands up because it always annoys me because I'm always so jealous of you people. Some of you skipped the deconstruction phase. You went from organized religion, one size fits all, we all believe the same thing, and you kind of just went like this, me, and then you jumped to stage four. My wife did this, super annoying. I'm studying, like I'm, she's just like, me, just jump. Stage four is this interesting thing. Stage four has this piece that says, okay, in stage two we said, what is the right answer? If you're in stage two, you're saying, but Vince, you can't have multiple conceptions of God. Which is the right one? It's that one or that one or that one. Which one? And as as I evolve, you're like, okay, okay, no, that doesn't make, is this one? That, that's right. No, no, that's not right. Then. Okay, what about this one? 
And there, even though when I say conception of God, you're going, ah, conception, Vince, whoa, he, 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 we don't use language like that. We know God. Stage four started a couple hundred years after the hello comment by some people in the desert. Can you throw up the first quote for me? They said this, God cannot be grasped by the mind. If he could be grasped, he would not be God. What if the conception of God, we've realized profoundly, like deep in our soul, it is not God. It's something that we build. Can you throw the next one up for me? Anyone who tries to describe the inevitable light in the language is truly a liar, not because he hates the truth, but because of the inadequacy of his description. Stage four comes to profound realization that says, all the conceptions of God are equally truthful in that there's a truth to them, but all of them are lacking. And so instead of saying, which is the right conception of God, we say, they're all powerful conceptions. And we hold them all in our heart at the same time. Anyone who's in early stage three or late stage two, your brain goes like this, that makes no sense. But there's something in the music today when they were singing, be still, And all of a sudden you could feel something in your heart kind of resonate. There's something beautiful when we let go, I have God all figured out. My conception of God is true. And we start to go, no, no, no. What does that conception do for me? What does seeing God sending chaos do for me? Am I the one who's causing the chaos to come? Now again, if you're in stage two, you're thinking, no, no, Vince, you're actually telling me this is happening. No, I'm saying, no, no, no. It's a conception. It's going, wait a second. Where am I being horrible? If this is how it worked, where am I causing the chaos in the world? Where am I being a selfish, lazy, you know, blah, blah, blah. And when I look at the spiritual warfare side, good and evil, I'm going, <laughs> which team am I fighting for? Because there's some days... I'm on the chaos team. You know, I'm like, I will seriously drive into you right now with my truck because you're driving like an idiot. Like, I am seriously going to do that to you. What we realize is that all of these have value in our lives. In stage four, we ask, which conception of God is the one that I need to wrestle with today? which is the one that's going to push my spiritual journey along. So I don't know where you are with chaos. Maybe you hear these fires, you know, half the world's on fire, and you're like, God caused it. That's just the way it is. Maybe to you this is a bigger story of supernaturalist uh, realm that's you know good and evil battling and at one point it's going to work out some people even have these stories that says you know this is God's plan God wants this to happen and that makes them feel good okay great that helps you understand yourself what we tend to do 
So we camp out in this God's love place. We call it taking water. Now we can talk about why chaos happened and all this stuff. We can talk about those conceptions, but really the question I want to ask you is, what are you going to do about it now? You hear your friend. Horrible thing happens to them. That's chaos. Now what are you going to do? Your partner's having a crazy time in their life. How are you going to take water? You have relationships where there's been chaos between you for years. You say, how do I love? We call it taking water. If you're in stage two, I'd mandate that you take water. I'd say you have to take water. <laughs> stage three, you'd call BS on that. You can't tell me what to do, Clausen. That's not true. And I'm like, yeah, fair. But there's something in the taking water, whatever stage you are, that pushes you towards this stage four. Not because stage four is easier. It's, it's harder, I think. Stage two is the easiest. Because this one says, what will you do? What will you do in reaction to the fires? What will you do in reaction to the people who are hurting? What will we do? That conception of God is one that pushes me more than anything. And I want to encourage you to sit with that one this week. What can I do? In a couple of weeks, September 17th, Friend Church isn't going to be here. We're going to celebrate or support our Jewish community, our neighbors, and let them do high holy days here. They have this whole Rosh Hashanah thing. It's packed. They don't eat. So they're all a little crabby. So we're going to go do something else. And we thought, what if we engage this conception of God? What if we said, no, no, there's chaos all around right now. What if we created a Sunday that was focused on love and taking water? Now we know. You guys are all different. It's so much easier if we could just like one size fits all it, right? Sometimes I'm so jealous of stage two spirituality where it's just like, you all have to do this and then that's just, you're done. I just add a little bit of guilt and life's good. For us, it doesn't work that way. To be in stage four means you have to engage in this process. You have to ask the question, what do I want to do? Now we're going to create some options. If you're a relational person, if you're at the coffee break when she said, hey, go outside and meet some people, you're like, yes. <laughs> you people, we created a social event. I, on the other hand, was over here with my head down, like in a fetal position because I'm an introvert. So Jeff, because he's an extrovert, is going to create this thing where you can invite your friends to. We know people are lonely, disconnected, locked down. People need to have some fun. So he's going to do a whole bocce tournament. Invite your friends, invite your neighbors. It's not going to be, you know, a big talk or anything like that. It's just going to be people getting together in love. Inviting the people you're going, okay, <laughs> you've had a hell of a week. You need to come out. Come play bocce with us. We're going to have a barbecue after. It'll be wicked. So that's the first event. Second event, I'm going to lead. We thought we had the event all figured out, and then it fell through last minute. So I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do. But... <laughs> we, without talking to each other a whole lot, are going to go to an organization and give our time. Make a tangible difference. 
We were going to go feed uh, at the drop-in center, but it didn't work out. Find people who go, no, no, your life's tough right now. You're living in chaos. What can I do to love you? Now, some of you, even that's too organized. You're like, be with 10 people without talking? Can't do it. Some of you aren't in Calgary. I get it. And so we're encouraging you. This is like choose your own adventure water. Like how do you love your neighbors? Whatever you want to do. I still want you to sign up and I want you to tell us what you're going to do. But this is the one where you like find your kid who's struggling and be like, I'm going to have like a date with my kid. Or I'm going to call up a friend and be like, hey, I just want to hang out. Let's talk on the phone. Maybe let's go for a walk with someone. For, for a while during COVID, we did drive-by boozing, we called it. We'd just buy a whole bunch of bottles of wine, drive by people with kids who looked like they were stir-crazy, and we'd drop booze off on their front lawn. <laughs> we'd ring the doorbell and, like, run away. <laughs> they come over. Be creative. Be crazy. Who in your life could have a moment where you just, you know, drop off a flower or, you know, invite them over for dinner? Take that Sunday, because you can, you can literally blow it off and be like, ha, no church, I can do whatever I want. And yes, you can. That's the beauty of stage four. You get to do whatever you want. But the spiritual journey says, to touch the divine, you can often find it through love. Plan a date. Plan a party. I don't know what you need to do, but find a way to be love. Find someone whose life's touched with chaos and be love. I was going to say for them, but it is for them. There's so often when we love, we feel the divine. So if you're stuck in any of the deconstruction phases, I want to encourage you, give this a try. Don't let the Sunday go, September 17th. It's freaking cold out there, so go outside, run a couple laps around the church and warm up. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week.